back here at Yankees Mental Press. We've got a lot to cover today. But first, we got to talk about something important, and I'm going to preface this with something about me. I don't like going on the road. I'm a creature of habit. I like my house. I like my bed. I like being around my stuff. It's my space. I'm in control. It's a natural feeling. This is why I'm not a professional athlete. I'm on the road a lot, and access to a non-controlled environment, it's not something I want to do. MLB has gotten this wrong in terms of coronavirus. As we all know, last week, the Miami Marlins, 9% positive rate amongst the team. They haven't played for over a week. They're only just getting back to action. They've had to completely revamp their roster with minor leagues, waiver claims. And we later find out, oh, Bob Nightingale from USA Today makes a rumor that, oh, they went to a strip club in Atlanta with the Cardinals who have 13 positive tests right now, they're saying, oh, like, there was a casino and John Moslock, he's denying it, but he's also implying, oh, no, people have been going out. I'm gonna tell you a quick story, folks. A few years ago, I had to go to Buffalo for work. I, it was weird, I landed, they didn't have my hotel ready. And yet, I found out once I got to the hotel, hey, the meetings you thought you were gonna have today, they're all gonna be tomorrow. Great, now I have nothing to do and I have no access to a car. The point is, I made the best of a situation. I watched TV in my hotel room. When the internet was working, FaceTime with friends, watch on Netflix. I had a book to read. There were things for me to do. I made the best of a non-ideal situation. And then it comes out during uh, Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellick's report on the Marlins that MLB apparently didn't make it required that you stay in hotels on the road. They just encourage it. What are we doing? What on earth are we doing? On the Marlins, I'm not going to bang on Derek Jeter for his, his tenure as an owner. He's new at it. He had to blow up the team or else he wouldn't have been able to buy the team. It's fine. But if you're going to trust a complete quiet of a quiet guy, Don Mattingly, to run a tight ship, and then your whole team breaks out, who is really at fault here? The players or Mattingly and the whole baseball ops department? And for Jeter to put out these two milquetoast apologies saying, oh, we messed up, we're on top of it. No, change your team's culture if this is what you're specific, if this is what you're serious about. As for the Cardinals, the same thing. John Moslock, speaking to the press yesterday, they're trying to figure out who patient zero is. I find that rather sickening and annoying, he said. We're in a pandemic. The likelihood of where someone could have gotten this could be anywhere from a grocery store to a bar. What are we talking about here? MLB needs to get serious about these measures. Either make it so that you bubble up the hotel on the road or you don't play. And the union doesn't have a leg to stand on. They agreed to these health and safety measures. They agreed to make adjustments so that the season could be played, albeit an abbreviated one. Right now, Manfred has, Rob Manfred, the commissioner, has to come out and make it very clear. Any player who is, who is caught to have left the bubble on the road or left the hotel and gone out and gotten sick, suspended for the season, no pay. That's the risk you assume. You agree to these health protocols, live by them. This isn't a game here. The virus does not discriminate people. How many people are saying this throughout the entire time? You want baseball, you got to be smart. These two teams have not been smart. And if we want a season, they need to keep being smart or start being smart again. I'm so upset about this that I don't know 
what are we doing? That's all I have to ask. Oh, and by the way, Lean's here too. Hi, Lean. Hey, Josh. Hi to all of our listeners too. <laughs> no, no, just thanks for remembering that I exist. Yeah, okay. Um, no, Any, that anyway. was a that was a great rant. Th thanks. That they've been building up for a while. Yeah, I, I it's hard to disagree with anything that you said. It's absurd. MLB is a joke, especially after seeing how well the NBA is doing it, how well the NHL is doing it. It's, no it's other, laughable. They don't have an excuse. They really right, do. right for sure. Actually. Anyway. Before we get back to sports talk, we, uh, we've got some funny things to share as well. Uh, Lean, as you remember, last night I was torturing you with snake gifts. That was fun. That was not fun. I almost broke my phone. So if you guys like don't remember from one of our earliest episodes, uh, I, I, I disclosed that I'm terrified of snakes. Absolutely Plus. horrified. Plus. And I, literally, I was standing up like during the Yankees game. And I just pick up my phone and see that Josh messaged me. And I open the messages and it's a bunch of gifts of snakes. Literally just launched my phone. My brother even looked at me like I was an idiot. He was like, glaring at me like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I had to message Josh on Slack to tell him to, to keep sending messages so that the gifts would like go up on iMessage so I wouldn't see them anymore. Yeah, I'm just going to send more of them tonight, just so you oh know. Oh, my gosh. And just for the record, if you hadn't decided to hose me over Glaber Torres, who we'll get to uh, later in the show, <laughs> uh, this wouldn't have happened. Uh, anyway, I messed up. Oh, you went to Albany this weekend. How was that? Man, it, it was so much fun. Like, we had a great time. Nature was beautiful, stuff like that. Oh, right. oh, I actually yeah. wanted to share a quick little... Uh, quick little story so that other people can hopefully do the same thing. No, no wait, 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 to... wait. First things first. Yeah, yeah. This was funny. Literally so random. I, I, told, I told you this over text. I'm pretty sure my dad just kind of waved his finger around a map and just picked Albany. Like, it was so, so random. It's kind of like when the family spins the globe and then, okay, where my finger stops? That's where we're going on vacation. They spin the globe, finger stops. No, All right, it, outer Mongolia, let's go. Exactly. That's literally what happened. Even even we were confused when he just he was just like, Yeah, I, I kind of just planned a vacation in Albany. We're like, oh, okay, but whatever, like that's cool. It ended up being worth it though. It was a lot of fun. Um yesterday, we got back uh last night. Um during the day though, uh my dad took us to Saratoga Springs. Yeah, and, my old stomping grounds. Good morning, class of 08. There you go. Yeah, I saw a yeah. sign for it. By the way, I totally I, I tried to take a picture to send to you, but yeah, I, I think I think I know quick. exactly which sign you're talking about too. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, like coming up. Yeah, coming up the north way under the exit. Yeah, it might have been that. Yeah, yeah I, um, I know. I know exactly which exit you're talking about. That's crazy. That's crazy. Anyway, so um, Saratoga Springs. Let's but yeah, yeah, went to like this little park thing in Saratoga Springs Congress and park, like yeah and there were springs everywhere like obviously and um the water in the springs it, it has a lot of sodium and like minerals in it that it gets from the limestone that's yep. limestone that's under the ground that's right yeah and it was crazy like my mom told us that we should you know like put our feet in it put our arms in it and hands in it and stuff because you know it helps the skin and it literally felt like we were getting spa treatments and the craziest part my brother actually had a pretty nasty cut on his point, his pointer finger and he just like stood under the water for maybe 15 minutes and his cut 
like started to heal and we were like what is going on and then we even read something about it immediately after about how the water has natural healing properties and how the native americans used to use the water to cure their ailments and that's just like so cool yeah i wish we had more access to that kind of water man going to the actual springs that's actually one of the many things on uh, the skidmore college students uh, four-year bucket list uh i never went just because me and nature don't really mix but now i actually want to go yeah you Uh, definitely no wait when you you guys go does, does your dad just like get an you know get an airbnb or or like well, we, stay, we stay at a hotel okay all right so, yeah yeah we stay right. at a hotel yeah um we we don't we never were really a fan of airbnbs because like you know you you don't know what's up with that well, but um, I, I just especially I just, not now i just figure i just figured now like comp- especially compared to a hotel with an airbnb you have there is a great idea it's a more controlled environment as to who's coming and going that's true but like the hotels they they do a pretty good job disinfecting like actually i'll be honest with you the hotel that we stayed at like our specific well one of the the room that i was staying in at least it was i one of the cleanest hotel rooms that i've ever stayed in it was so like so well maintained you could basically see the disinfectant on everything it was awesome like they and I feel like they're taking this seriously, so that's really. I good. mean, New York State as a whole, especially the capital region, is for sure taking as well. But Don't while know. you were uh, lean, while you were gallivanting through the capital region, um, <laughs> I was dealing with a horse of a different color. Uh, this is actually a really funny story. Uh, Caitlin might murder me for telling it, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll do it without naming names. I'm going to do it without naming names because I don't want to. I don't want to put uh, particular people on blast. So uh, I think it's. If this was Thursday or Friday, um, I get a, um, I get a, I see a Facebook post from my, my friend Andrew from college. Mm-hmm. And he goes, hey, a couple of my friends are getting married. Uh, is anyone out there uh, able to officiate weddings? Now, in the back of my mind, I realized, hey, on a goof two years ago, you went ahead and got the Universal Life Church certification. Oh my gosh, of course. Yeah, it's like, you know what? It's a bucket list thing. I want to officiate at least one wedding before I die just to say I did. It, it's, I did this for pure vanity and as a half joke. I want to make that very clear. I didn't, I didn't do this because I wanted to like, put good out in the world. I, just, I did this because, hey, this is a cool thing to do. Let's do it. I'm going to pay 10 bucks and get it done. And, and so I, I, I come and I'm like, Hey, I, I'm certified, uh, shoot me a message. Mm-hmm. Andrew then messages me and says, Hey, my buddy and his wife, they're thinking of doing a, a virtual ceremony, uh, in the first week of September, uh, and then possibly a, a real ceremony. Uh, can I give him your number? I said, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Now, not, not 15 minutes later, I get a text. First off, it's from an 802 number which is uh, which is vermont where my wife caitlin's from okay and the message is hi this is so and so i then do a quick memory check this guy is my wife's ex-boyfriend what the guy this guy who's texting me about officiating his wedding turns out is my wife's ex-boyfriend oh my god so so i'm like you know i'm like you know what like I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be that guy and says, "Hey, you know my wife." I'm gonna let it happen naturally, and then we're just texting. We're having a good back and forth. Then he calls me, and he goes, "Hey, uh, Andrew, my friend who got us in touch. Um, he keeps blowing up my phone, so I figure let me just talk to you, and this way I don't have to be distracted by him." Great. So we get to talking. We're ha- we're we're vibing really well. You know what I'm talking about? Like we got a good back and forth. Yeah. Like, like you and I have. Yeah. And I go, hey, uh, I'm going to put this out there right now. I'm pretty sure you know my wife. And he goes, um, okay, what's your wife's name? I tell him. And he's like, 
are you kidding me? Like, oh my God, like this is, this is ridiculous. He bursts out laughing on the phone. Oh my goodness. Bursts out laughing on the phone. Uh, and then we, we, we keep talking and we figure out like, okay, what, if I'm going to officiate his wedding, what do I need to do? He's going to get in touch with me this week. So, uh, yeah, I might very well be officiating my wife's ex-boyfriend. That's wedding. actually hilarious. <laughs> like, what are the odds? No, literally, what are, oh my gosh, this world is so crazy. New York City, what? smallest town in the world. What? <laughs> that is so, so wild. Yeah, like. Yeah, I really, really hope it ends up working out, that, because that's so funny, you officiating your, your wife's ex-boyfriend's wedding. Yeah, oh. Jeez. oh wow, boy. that's <laughs> funny. Yeah, um, I, I got nothing besides that. I, I have nothing to add to that. But yeah, that was my week. Man, dude. I mean, yeah, like you went on a little rant about, you know, the Marlins, etc. Colin Coward. I wish if this, nice. uh, if this was, um, you know, not a baseball podcast, I would go on probably a three hour long rant about the Rangers, but. Yeah, well, we're not we're not going to talk we're not going to talk about that. They're down two zero. They stink. Um, okay, stink. great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, uh, they stink oh, worse than my laundry. I will though. I will go on a rant about the New York Metropolitans. Oh, oh boy. The actually, you know what? B- before we do that, yeah. I'm going to rant about the Cardinals. There, we have a lot of things to rant about today. The, the Cardinals, like it's just uh, here's the thing. What I've been seeing about the Cardinals. My rant isn't so much at the teams, it's at Major League Baseball. Why didn't you mandate no going out on the road? For sure. So, like, so I don't know. Wait, did you hear uh, the, their series, their upcoming series versus the Detroit Tigers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the, 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 ca- like- the casino thing, that's new to me because Jer- uh, Jared Diamond, um, oh, wait, no that, no, that wasn't Diamond. That was from Derek Jeter. Um, Jeff Passan, uh, quoting John Moslock, he has come out and said, like, there's uh, um, on reports that they went to a casino before their outbreak. I have no factual reason to believe that is true, and I have not seen any proof of that. If they were at a casino, though, that would be disappointing. Okay, listen to this. Bob, Bob Nightingale tweeted this 12 minutes ago to go off what you're saying. Um, the president goes, we understood there were going to be risks, just the inherent risk playing in the middle of a pandemic. Would it make it easier if we said, oh, somebody went to a strip joint? Yes, that would make it easier. <laughs> that would make it easier because then we know, okay, great. This wasn't bad luck. Your players are being stupid. Right. It's literally, it's what you were saying. And that goes back to how, why the NHL and NBA are just totally on a different level right now. Like, why are players allowed to leave their hotels? That's not okay. Well, why did it take uh, uh, so please, long? Please, please. Uh, pump, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. NBA, they're allowed to leave their hotel rooms. They just cannot leave the grounds of Walt Disney World Resort. So No, I said leave the hotels, not their rooms. Uh, uh, yeah, but like that. Hotel, the, I mean resort. Like, I obviously mean resort area. So, yeah, so not you, just okay, like. You know, all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Like, yeah, if you just, like, you know, don't go out, basically going out in public, you know what I mean? Like, that's just not, I don't know why that wasn't a condition from the get-go. It's I, Now, Disney, for the most part, they've been, I, I'm not saying I agree with them being open, but in terms of how they're 
of how they're addressing things like having having parks at like I think twenty five percent capacity, something like that, and yeah. ha- and in Disney Springs having the shops and restaurants open on a rotation. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much. It's not a perfect solution. It's a workable one that you can easily shut down if things get bad. Right, like it could be worse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I'm. I'm not saying I don't. It's not something I would would have done if I were in charge of Disney. But right. But like mm-hmm. considering the amount of money that the NBA is is paying to have the games at Disney, I'm I'm okay with players being allowed to go out within the resort and not leaving there unless they absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. Like like Zion Williamson did for a family emergency. No, no, for sure. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. Um, but I guess uh, better late than never. I don't know. I guess it's good that finally there's a concrete rule that people, you know, that there are restrictions on going out and stuff. Uh, oh, um, did, did MLB hand that down? Because I, I might have missed that ahead of recording. I mean, so I, I read it from Mark Saxon of The Athletic that that, that okay. Manfred is going to make that a thing. So, okay, yeah, the, which is important for sure. I, um, you know what? He, he should have done that from the get-go. I, exactly. I, I, I exactly. honestly thought that was that was agreed upon. Hey, on the road, you, you have to bubble. Right. But if the fact that it was just a guideline or a recommendation, well, what, are, what are we doing? I no. don't understand. What are we doing? For sure, this makes... That, that's the theme of the show, what are we doing? Exactly, yeah, literally. <laughs> that should be the name of the episode, I swear. We, we, we gotta put the feed of this on YouTube, get a counter going for how many times I said, what are we doing? No, dude, you, you know, no, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of what are we doing, now let's get to the Mets. Uh, um, one, la- one last note on the Cardinals, I'll say, I'll give them this much credit. You can say how much you want. Oh, like the decision to play against the Phillies with the Marlins, that, that came down from up top. That wasn't decided upon by the players. It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is the moment that it was known the Cardinals had four positive tests, get them off the field. Oh, for end sure. Of, yeah. End of discussion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Mets, yes. Oh, my gosh. So, like, dude, I am – they are – I can't even put it into words. The Mets are appalling – uh, they are definitely the biggest embarrassment in baseball right now, and I don't even think that's up for discussion. Um, it, it, you know what? Global pandemic ravaging the planet, same old Mets. They're, I swear, nothing changes with them. I, like, this, is, this is proof positive that, as you put in our notes, this is 100% an ownership problem. So, um, right. so what happened? So this involves Ioannis Cespedes, ladies and gentlemen. So for yeah. those who are, who are unaware, lean fill in any details if I miss them. Um, he, Saturday after the Mets played the Braves, this is according to Mark Carrig of The Athletic, he apparently went to a few teammates and said, hey, uh, I'm opting out, my agent will confirm it. Uh, if anyone asks, that's what happened. He didn't even go to Brody Van Wagen and didn't go to Luis Rojas, didn't go to a coach, went to a small handful of teammates, hey, I'm out, see ya. And... Lean. I don't I mean, know about. I don't. Know I don't about, even. I don't know about that though, because like. Uh, no, so, no, the uh, no, the uh, the New York Post. Uh, Mike Puma confirmed that. When was that confirmed though? Because it was literally just reported a few, like right before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony DeComo of MLB.com said this. Oh, you probably saw it was actually in our Slack group chat. Yeah. Brandon Nimmo, uh, outfielder for the New York Mets as well, he was in asked about Cespedes, and he said that. Um, he and his teammates heard that Cespedes' agents told the Mets organization that that uh, Cespedes was going to opt out before the game. 
So that's not the same as what as what you just said. Like in this scenario, well, that, his well, agents told just, the organization. Well, that just and that's to, part of the problem. Exactly. That, well, yeah, that goes to the meat of our yes. conversation. Like the front right. office with the Mets, uh, the, the whole the whole energy around the organization is so toxic. Because for, first off, Cespedes he opts out, packs his bags in Atlanta, goes home. Yeah, you have to assume that. Right. That's what uh, they were saying. Yeah. yeah. And yet uh, the organization is saying as early as as late as one thirty in the afternoon. They're saying, we don't know where he is. We right. think he's safe. We don't know where he is. We cannot get in touch with him. They go to his hotel room. It's Nothing. Empty. It's abandoned, Nothing. yeah. Yeah. And then with the Post and the Athletic, they're saying, oh, well, uh, he let teammates... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, the Athletic said he let teammates know that he was... He, a few teammates know that he was leaving. That was it. Mike Puma of the Post, he says... Oh, Cespedes was uh, feeling bad about playing time. He was disgruntled because, right. because um, with the way that his contract is restructured, a lot of it is incentives. Mm-hmm. But here's, here's what that doesn't make sense to me. The Mets have played 10 games this year. He's been in eight of them. Mm-hmm. He's averaging about four or five plate appearances a game. Okay, he's hitting 160, but that's rust. He hasn't played in almost two years. Right. What? And then you hear that story about his mom, too, that his mom apparently has been in the U.S. and he's worried about her health. And the Cardinals outbreak was, you know, the breaking point for him. No. Yes. That said, I am not going to knock Cespedes if he's concerned about his mother. I would be, too, in the same situation. And I'm saying this as someone who has immunocompromised relatives, who has a pregnant wife. If I was a player in these days, if I was playing, I'd want to know for sure that, like, it was safe. Right. And if Cespedes didn't feel safe, that's fine. I just want to know, what is the real story? What right. aren't the Mets telling us? Yeah. Look, listen, I, go, you, you said that at the perfect time. Going off of that, um, I want to say that, I and mean, you give your take after that, I guess. I'm going to be honest. I think I'm going to lean towards Cespedes' side on this because just, first of all, Brody Van Wagenen, is one of the worst GMs I've ever seen, and he's mad shady, and he's always doing shady stuff. And uh, real, so real Van Wagenen... So, uh, sorry to interrupt, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, um, yeah. Is, is this his second or third season? This is third season. Third, wow, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, and that, now this is, yeah, so third year, this is kind of when you start to realize whether a GM knows what they're doing or is completely in over their heads. Actually, no, no, I'm double checking. Hold on, this is, what year is this, 2020? 2020, okay, yeah. No, I'm going to fact check first. Yeah. No, it might be his second year. Hold on. Career, front office, career. Here, I'll, I'll look this up too. Just okay, yeah, yeah. He was October, yeah, he was replaced. He, he, he became the GM on October 29th, uh, 2018. So this is his second year. Yeah. Now, I, now, I'm firmly of belief that any executive GM, coach, especially GMs and coach, and we'll throw owners in this, in this category for sure, if you're coming up on the three-year mark or, or even midway through the second year, you start to have an idea of whether or not uh, this person is the guy. Now, we'll talk about the Rangers for a second. David Quinn, I wouldn't have hired him, but two years in, I'm confident that he at least knows what he's doing. Right, right. right. Yeah. Brody Van Wagenen, I have zero confidence that he knows what he's doing. For sure. Dude. And, like, I'm definitely – I'll be honest. I was one of the people, like – I kind of tried to quote unquote defend him 
And I kept saying to Mets fans that I know, like, give him a chance, give him a chance. But it's just the moves that he's making are becoming so difficult to defend. And it seems like all he cares about are superficial things and not actually making the Mets a better organization. Going off of that, I think it's so shady that the Mets went and traded for outfielder Billy Hamilton Yep. immediately before the game so like let me let me walk you through at least my mental process when all this was happening yeah please so, do. a few days ago their outfielder I guess he's an outfielder for depth because he doesn't start Jake Marisnik was sent to the IL right right so whatever like that happened now, now is this the IL IL or like the weird uh, like COVID IL no no he has an injury he's okay, hurt right. so he's okay. on the IL yeah 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 okay yeah. all right um yeah so so Marisnik gets sent to the IL right um and then yesterday happens, you see right before the Mets game is about to start, we get notifications that the Mets had just made a trade with the San Francisco Giants to acquire Billy Hamilton, who hadn't made the roster for the Giants. The Mets actually traded their right-handed pitching prospect, Jordan Humphreys, who's actually like, I think a top 15 prospect in the Mets organization. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the trade that they made. Immediately, I turned to my brother and I was like, okay, I guess this makes sense because Marisnik is hurt and Hamilton kind of brings the same skill set to the yeah, Mets. Speedy yeah, speedy defense, exactly. So I was like, all right, this makes sense. They want a replacement for Jake Marisnik. But then we find out about the Joanna Cespedes move. I'm like, no, like the Mets, like this is shady. I think they knew and they were like, that's it. We need to go and get another outfielder. No Marisnik, no Cespedes. We need to go get them. I think they already knew. I, I believe the reports that the front office already knew that Cespedes was opting out. They just love to make him out to be the bad guy. There, that... Uh... This is very hard to digest <laughs> yeah. for several reasons. Of course. And, and this kind of ble bleeds into our, into our next topic as well. It's very clear that the Mets' biggest problem, it's not with, it's, record aside, the Mets' problem does not exist out on the field. The mm -hmm. main Mets' problem is at the top. The fish yes. rots from the head down. We all know this. Yeah. The Wilpons have not done themselves any favors in, in the last few years, just in, the, in terms of their overall tone, how they run the team. They're, they're kind of like, I don't want to say that they're the Jim Dolan of Major League Baseball, but they're mm. pretty close. Oh, yeah, yeah. And right now, bleeding into our next point, the Met, whatever the situation it was with Cespedes, I, I'm kind of in the middle on this, and I say, you know what? Both of you are terrible. I'm not wasting any time with this. I, That's fair, yeah. Like, I, I don't want to pick a side in this argument. Right. Because Cespedes should have communicated more clearly that he wanted to opt out. The front office should have just said, hey, he told us he's opting out. That's it. Like, when, whenever they knew it, they could have yeah. just said, hey, Jonas Espinus told us we're opting out, but then they had to go passive aggressive and say we're very disappointed in this. In this yeah, place. right. And they had to make it all dramatic and yeah. stuff. And yeah. in terms of Cespedes, he's not – what Major League Baseball team is going to give him a contract after this year, after how everything played out? Mm. I think yeah. that – I think that he's done in Major League Baseball. Oh, I do want to say something, though, actually. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, I, I, I told my brother this, too. Do not be surprised if he opts back in. I don't know why. I can totally see, see him opting back in. Uh, I think the deadline for that has passed already. No that. way. Really? Yeah. yeah like there, there is a deadline. Um, uh, at some point during the break in the show, I'll take a look, and I'll see if, it, if uh, that isn't there in fact nope. a thing. Wait. No. Um, 
Oh, maybe that's the opt out deadline. So it says here NFL. Oh, that's the NFL. Oh my God. I'm yeah, cause, yeah, because like, because MLB, I think at one point, because after Nick Markakis opted back in, yeah, I think that they set a date saying, "Hey, past this certain date, you can't change your mind." Yeah. So, uh, in terms of coming back, uh, but anyway, uh, back, okay. uh, back yeah. to the Mets. Back to the Mets. Uh, their record, they're three and seven, one of the worst problems in the rotation, the bullpen. Like they blew like what, like a 10-5 lead the other night? Bro. Uh, yeah. And I think I saw another one. They were they I think were getting drubbed by the Braves, got a full count several times and couldn't convert on it. And so on top of all of that, you have to figure whatever's going on with the ownership, like in terms of who the highest bidder is, I'm talking J Rod. Um, Harrison Blitzer, we'll throw Steve Cohen in there. Imagine the uncertainty in the clubhouse. Because a lot of a lot of the Mets players, these are younger guys. So they're probably wondering, am I going to be part of the new owner's core? Am I going to be traded? There's there's gotta be unbelievable anxiety yeah. throughout yeah. that locker room. Yeah, absolutely. Because teams get sold all the time. Teams mm-hmm. get sold regularly in sports. But I've never seen an evolving, or in this case, devolving ownership situation so negatively affect the product out on the floor. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, am I crazy here? No, no, no. Like the, <laughs> yeah, that's what's funny about the Mets, especially right now. Their problems, like you said, it, it's literally from top to bottom. Obviously, like the the base of the issue is the ownership and front office, whatever, all of that. It's just crazy how like the team is getting so affected by it too. And they just can't seem to make anything work right now. Um, So I, uh, I've, uh, I've watched every single Mets game so far this season. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, it's, it's incredible. I don't know how much Mets baseball you've seen, but it, every single aspect of the game of baseball, the Mets are, are doing it right. The rotation, bro, like, okay, at full strength, the Mets have one of the best rotations in baseball, in my opinion, the best rotation in baseball. Um, but then you, Noah Syndergaard goes down, right, with Tommy John yeah. surgery. And then you lose Zach Wheeler, of course, to the mm-hmm. Phillies. And then Marcus Stroman gets hurt. So you're going in there with two of your normal starters, Jacob deGrom and Steven Matz, right? Yep. And this is the problem. I feel like everyone, I'm definitely guilty of this as well. We overrated the Mets rotation way too much going into the season. We were like, okay, Jacob deGrom, at worst, the second best pitcher in baseball, is headlining that rotation. You have Steven Matz, who's pretty solid. You have Rick Porcello. Okay, he's coming off of a really bad year, but he used to be great in his heyday and is a former Cy Young winner. And he's close. And he's closer to home, so maybe he'll have an extra yes. pass and stuff. Yes, and exactly. And he grew up a diehard Mets fan. Yeah. Yep. Um, you have Michael Walker, who has been suffering from injury problems later uh, lately, but was great a few years ago. And then you have a prom, a very promising top ten prospect in David Peterson. So yeah, every, I like this Peterson kid a lot too. 
Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Everybody is out here saying, yeah, Metro rotation, going to be fine, going to be fine. We get into the season. Okay, DeGrom looks like DeGrom for the most yeah. part. Steven Matz has actually been very good. Yeah, but then, Steven Matz, he's, he's streaky, but by Steven Matz standards, he's pitched very well. You said it perfectly. By Steven yeah. Matz standards, he's been awesome so far. I think he's been yeah. their second best pitcher. You can't really complain about him so far this season. Absolutely not. Um, then you have Rick Porcello, who's been bad. He was awful in his first start, was a little bit better in his second start, but still, you know, like it would have been nicer if he pitched better than that. Waka, total opposite. Great in his first start, awful in the second start. Peterson, like you just said, Peterson has actually been good. And I think right now he's their third best pitcher. Little things to work on, but he's been good. Yeah. Um, so there you go. You have problems in the rotation. It's not perfect. Yeah, and, and also the Mets as a, as a team, their ERA currently ranks 27th in baseball. There you go. 5.52. The only team in the National League that trails them are the Phillies, 5.67, and that number's an outlier because they've only played three games. Exactly. It doesn't even count. Right. But for all intents and purposes, the Mets have the worst pitching in the National League. There you go. Yeah. And speaking of pitching overall, let's move on to the bullpen real quick. Another thing that we overrated, the Mets overall had an awful bullpen last year, but when you came to the season, you probably saw this too. Everyone had the Mets as a top like seven bullpen in baseball entering the season, right? Mm -hmm. So, but like people are underperforming. Edwin Diaz still looks lost as a closer. I don't Dylan, think he can pitch in New York, plain and dude, simple. Well, I want to get to that in a second. I want to pick your brain about that too. Yeah. Dylan Batances looks completely he looks terrible right now absolutely awful granted he pitched like two games last year and is coming off of some serious injury issues but still he looks bad and he's becoming a liability for them all of their other pitchers in that bullpen for the most part not good so uh, I, I got fan graphs up here right now in terms of uh, team bullpens the Mets have the third worst bullpen in baseball they there have, you a, go. They have a bullpen ERA of 6.69. They and the only teams that are behind them are the Reds and the Cubs. Also, also things for for the Mets. Their the ground ball rate 40.5%. Okay, I'm not uh, only their K's per nine 9.92, and their defense isn't helping them help them that either. Their FIP is uh, 4.74. So that means even though in a, with a high sixes ERA, the overall effectiveness of the Mets bullpen. They're pitching high fours. Yes. Low to, low to high fours. You um, actually, that, that goes into the next part, I guess. You just talked about defense. The Mets are, we already knew that the Mets were one of definitely not the better defensive teams in baseball. This year, I feel like it's showing even more, especially with, um, I don't know if you've noticed, Jeff McNeil has been awful at third base. The dude is a hitting machine and gets on base at least once a game. And he's like been hot lately. But he's like I, all basically averaging an error per game too. He looks so so bad at third. And here's what I'm gonna say: uh, the Mets are a very young team, and as I just mentioned before with Cespedes, I can only imagine that between coronavirus and the devolving ownership situation, as I'm gonna call it, players are probably it's probably roster wide yips. I would not be surprised if that was the case at all. I mean, because you said McNeil with the he, with third base, he was looking bad, right? Yeah, that's where he spent most of his time so far. Okay, third base, yeah, his DRS is at zero. 
Yeah. Uh, and he's made, how many errors have he made at third? Four, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Uh, yeah, four. Okay. Four? I, I, okay. I was, uh, all right, yeah. <laughs> I was looking at the assist column. It said 20, it was like 27 errors. I went, there's no way that's right. Match. I wouldn't even be surprised at this point, dude. Like, there's just – and, of course, not only are they not fielding the ball well, bro, no one is hitting. People were out here really trying to complain about Robinson Cano, and they laughed at me when I told them he's their best hitter right now. And he is. He golfed he's, one in Atlanta the other day. You see what I'm saying? He's carrying this team on his back. No one else is hitting, dude. And, like, Josh, even if hitters are, like, getting in a groove and getting on base, for example – Ahmed Rosario. Ahmed Rosario is on like a hitting streak, but then they get up to the plate when there are runners on base and they just can't bring them home. Because, uh, Lean, it's funny you mentioned that because as, as to all of baseball, the Mets actually rank fourth currently with a 261 team batting average. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, their hitters are okay, but then when but players the, no get execution. on base, there's exactly, no there's no clutch hitting. Like, McNeil, dude, the other day, was it yesterday or the day before? McNeil had like a double and two singles, got up to base. There was a man on second and third. I was like, that's it. He's going to have at least one RBI. The dude struck out on like three pitches. McNeil doesn't strike out. Like, and this just happens far too often. Same thing with Rosario. Same thing with all of these guys. It's just, I... I'm on Fangraphs now. I'm looking to see if I could find um, anything for how the Mets are doing with runners in scoring position. Because I'm curious to see what that number is compared to the... It is, it is bad, bro. I'd imagine so, yeah. And I just wanted to, um, real quick, speaking of terrible hitting... Pete Alonzo looks oh. absolutely lost, bro. So I had I had his fan graphs page up in anticipation. So let's actually let's actually diagnose the problem. Oh, he looks so he's first, swinging at everything. So his his walk rate is down to eight and a half eight and a half percent from ten point four last year. Strikeout, it's up from twenty six point four. So we'll round it up to thirty two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Babip to fifty. All right, let's go down to his batted ball. Um, so first off, he's hitting a lot more ground balls. His fly ball rate went down mm-hmm. by five and a half points. I've noticed that. Where his yeah. ground ball rate went up by three and a half. He is, oh, got a dip in hard contact, ups mm-hmm. and soft and medium contact. Uh, it's, it's crazy that we're talking about this because he's got a very similar problem to Glaber Torres in that based on my eyes at the mm-hmm. Torres, I got to go back and watch more tape of Alonzo. Both these guys are swinging from their legs. Oh, yeah. They're, they're trying to do way too much at the plate. Luis now, Rojas actually literally said that basically verbatim, what you just said. Uh, which part? Uh, swinging from his legs and doing absolutely way too much. Just yeah, like not. I, and yeah. With the Yankees, Aaron Hicks is doing that same thing. Gary mm-hmm. Sanchez was doing it up until the Red Sox series. Right, right. Now, now you saw Saturday and Sunday, Gary Sanchez, okay, he didn't have out of this world great games at the plate, but he was having better at bats. You can he looked way better. Way, way more better. comfortable. Yeah. He's, he's, having, he's seeing the ball better. He, he could tell just by the kind of contact he's making. Even though he's making it out, he's getting close. For sure. Exactly. At least he's yeah. not striking out pitches in the dirt or whatever. You know, like he's having, like you said, better at bats for sure. Right. Now with Pete Alonso, I'm not going to, first off, ha-ha to every Mets fan who said, oh, he beat Aaron Judge's rookie record. He's better. Okay. It's one year. Slow your roll. No one, yeah. Like, now, I said this about – now, just for the sake of parity and for, and for the sake of being objective, 
I said this very same thing about Aaron Judge after he hit 52 home runs as a rookie. I said, I hope he's not Joe Charbonneau. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Lean, remind me, do you know about Joe Charbonneau? Yeah. Okay, so, for the, so this is for our younger viewers. Uh, those who are younger than uh, Little Lean over there. I, I knew that was coming. Box. I literally knew that was coming. The guy Old the man. Okay, <laughs> Grandpa. Let's finish this up before it's time for bedtime. Yeah? Where's my jello? I'm getting cranky. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so Joe Charbonneau in 1980, hotshot 25-year-old prospect for the Cleveland Indians. Mm. Came out of California. This guy, five-tool player. He's going to be great. His first year in 1980, 131 games. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Okay, hit 289, 23 home runs, 87 RBIs, runaway rookie of the year. Here, let's oh, yeah. Just to give you an idea of the voting, 1980 rookie of the year, it was Joe Charbonneau, who had 15 first place votes. The next guy behind him was Boston Red Sox, Dave Stapleton, who hit 321 and didn't do much else. Was like Dude, Charbonneau was actually so good in his rookie season that he holds, I don't know if you knew this, he holds the record for fewest career games played in the M- in MLB by a rookie of the year with 201. It, yes. So, yeah. that, so therein lies the point. That's how good he was. Yeah. And now granted, Joe Charbonneau was popular not so much for what he did on the field, but because he had a big personality. He was kind of loud, kind of a fun-loving dude, dyed his hair a bunch. But then mm. injuries hit him. So, yeah, 1980, hits, he plays in 131 games. Over the next two years, he only plays 70 more, and that was it. Right. Now, I'm not saying Pete Alonso is going to be Joe Charbonneau. I think that he's swinging from his legs and that he's going he's gonna to write the ship. He's too good to, to mm-hmm. not do that. Mm-hmm. But anyone who wasn't expecting some sort of regression this season from, right. from Alonso, from anybody, and not just that. You're seeing lots of guys, as we've said just now for the umpteenth time, swinging from their legs. It's a shorter season. There's more urgency to, to play well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that Alonzo, he's having that. And with Torres, I don't think it's so much the urgency, but the reality of batting between Aaron Judge and Giancarlo mm. Stanton, two of the best power hitters in baseball, right. that's sinking in. That's, it's jarring. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that's, a, that's an excuse for Torres. I'm not saying that. But it's he, a contributing factor for sure. It is absolutely a contributing factor. And the same goes for Pete Alonso. He's mm-hmm. playing on, he's, a very, he's the best player on a team that is an absolute soap opera right now. Oh, yeah, if, if yeah. The, if the Mets, I say this with full confidence. If the Mets ownership situation was more stable, if we knew, hey, the new owner coming in, it's Steve Cohen. It's, it's Harrison Blitzer. It's J-Rod's collective. It's any, if, if we knew, hey, Here's who the, net, the next Mets owner is going to be. I have no – you know, I'm going to go out. I guarantee the team will be playing better than it is now. Yeah. I mean, look, it's actually – one last uh, thing to worry about. It's good that you mentioned that. I completely agree that that would definitely help the situation. But speaking of, like, you know, making the situation better, uh, two things real quick. One, we kind of touched on it with David Peterson. Uh, the kids are looking good. Have you been paying attention to Andres Jimenez? I have not been paying attention to Andres Jimenez. So, okay. Shame Andres on Jimenez. Me. No, no, I mean, it's not, it's not too late. Um, Jimenez, he is the Mets, he's a shortstop. He's yep. the Mets' third ranked prospect, right? It was actually a surprise that he even made the team because he wasn't really seen as being ready yet. Um, you and I yeah, talked yeah, about this. Yeah, we did. We talked mm-hmm. about it very briefly. I remember now. I told you that basically. His legs were ready for the majors, and his glove was ready for the majors. Yeah. That's proven to be the case. 
but um, he he looks good overall. He looks really, really good, and I think the Mets are going to have a long-term problem in the infield because I think Jimenez is making a case for himself. He looks – he's having good at-bats. He looks like he belongs here. You don't really see any nervousness uh, with him oh, or okay. anything. Okay, lean, lean, slow your roll. What's slow, up? Slow your roll. Okay, nine games is hitting three fifty-seven. Great, hot start. All the – all but one of the hits are singles. He's got one extra base hit, which is a triple, and those are rare. I'm not going to fault him for that. He hasn't drawn a single walk. Bro, he hasn't struck, like, he hasn't Josh, 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 watch him. Like, no, 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 watch him. He looks – I'll watch or him get fine. Max just, Twitter, just, yeah. Yeah, I'll no, watch no. him fine. I'm just saying don't get excited about he, him. He looks, no, he looks really, really, really good. I have almost nothing negative to say about the kid. He's starting today. Check out, check out the Mets game today. And tomorrow right. you will tell me, like, you were right. He looks right. good. Yeah, I'll, I'll, Peter, go back, I'll yeah. go back and forth between the Yankees and the Mets today. Yeah. Um, Which I should be doing regardless. No, for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, he looks good. I think that he's better than a lot of the Mets infielders right now, to be honest, including Alonzo. And like we said, Peterson looks good, too. He could become a staple of the Mets rotation moving forward. Um so the I mean, youngsters, that's at least something like positive for the Mets. You have to figure with the youngsters though, that they're also like looking at this from a very emotionally intelligent perspective. Like, okay, the Mets probably not going to do much this year. Let's just go out and play. Maybe it could be yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know. Well, but like, but bro, like when they came into it though, they, knew, wait, who are you saying like is thinking like that? The youngsters themselves? I was just thinking with what I meant, like some of the youngsters might be thinking that. The thing is, though, like when they were when they made the team, like the season hadn't even started yet. So that they like, you know, they went in like, oh, this is a team that's going to contend, you know, because the hype that was surrounding the Mets. So I don't know. It could be. I've, I have no idea. But whatever it is, it's working for them, at least those two in particular. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the Mets, it's another um, season, same old Mets. Yeah. And then, yeah, another like, quote unquote, positive, I guess. Help is on the way in terms of pitching. Don't know if you saw this. I think this is probably the most important one. Marcus Stroman is healing very yep. nicely. Yeah. Yet two days ago, he threw a four-inning simulation game. Um, there's no like certain timetable yet, but I really don't think he's gonna. He's that far off. The fact that he's like throwing to live batters and can throw like a decent amount of pitchers pitches. Excuse me. I think that's uh. That's a promising I mean, that's sign. That's a great sign, but just going back to what I said earlier, the, how good the starters are, great. I want the bullpen GRAs and the high sixes. Okay, perfect that you got there. Well, okay, Stroman coming in means you can get rid of, I, I would say, Porcello because he's been the worst pitcher. Well, well, yeah, yeah you're, yeah, you you're, you can, like, scale back, but I'm talking, like, the leading guys. I, I mean, I talked about Edwin Diaz. He can't pitch in New York. No, okay, so listen to this. That's more pitching help that's on the way. Robert Gesellman, who's been out with a tricep injury, he is probably going to make his season debut this week, later this week. Uh, Gesellman, he's definitely not the best reliever in the world, and he's very streaky, but he's still going to come in and help take the load off of guys like Seth Lugo and Justin Wilson. And when he's good, he's actually good. So that definitely will, will help out the bullpen overall. Then you have Jared Hughes. Do you remember Jared Hughes, Josh? Yeah. 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 He, um, so he hasn't made his Mets debut yet. He had COVID. Right. He has been activated, though, and he also will likely make his Mets debut this week. 
He wasn't good last year, but he was excellent from 2014 to 2018. A lot of like people refer to him as one of the more underrated relievers of, you know, the middle part of the decade. So um, I think he's going to be of an immense help to the Mets bullpen. Uh, and he, he, could, he, he could be of an immense help. Same with Gesellman. The problem is right now the Mets bullpen, from, from what you're talking about, they're going to go from being an absolute lemon of a car to one that overall gets the job done, but yeah, it takes a few minutes to start. That's which, true. Yeah, which well, like, that, that's still not ideal. Unfortunately, like classic Mets, they're so unlucky. The last name I was going to mention was Brad Brock. Brad Brock also had COVID. Yep, he and Hughes at the same time, yeah. Right. And um, he's still just throwing bullpen sessions, but he's expected to uh, throw to live hitters soon. And um, this sucks for the Mets because they're expecting the relievers in that order. Gasalman first, then Hughes, then Brock. Brock is the best of the three. He was really good upon yes. joining the Mets last year. So it's very unfortunate that he's going to be the last of those three relievers to join them. But like, at least these guys aren't far off. So hopefully that'll help their bullpen situation. Josh, going back to what you said about Edwin Diaz, I want you to go back and watch what happened yesterday. He actually pitched the seventh inning of yesterday's yes. game for the Mets. And so he got... He, 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 all he did that was bad was walk a batter. And yes, it was really bad. Basically all four pitches were in the dirt or sorry, it wasn't just four pitches, but all of the balls were in the dirt. Right, so that, yeah. that wasn't good. But like, I even told this to a friend of mine, he could have thrown four straight balls into the stands and that still would have been an improvement of what we were seeing from him before. So my question for you, do you think that the Mets should think about moving Diaz to maybe like seventh inning role, something like that? Do you think that would work? Uh, I mean, based on what you told me, it's one outing, but yeah, I think it's absolutely worth exploring. I yeah. think that you need to put Diaz in that role and then just be prepared that his, his management or his agents are going to say, hey, trade him someplace where he can be a closer. Yeah. Because I have, we've seen with our own eyes, Edwin Diaz can close. He had a great year in Seattle. Yeah, but course. New York is a different animal. With the Yankees, how many players have we seen who just can't pitch? Can't New do York? it, right? Yeah. Esteban Loaiza was great for the White Sox and a few other teams. Comes to New York, he's terrible. <laughs> mm -hmm. Jose Contreras, who was traded for Esteban Loaiza, came over as right. this hyped Cuban prospect, was streaky in New York, went elsewhere, he was fine. Right. The World Series with the White Sox in 2005. Right. And well, you know what? I'll throw AJ Burnett in there too. I do mean, it that's 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 fair yeah yeah now now granted i don't think that i think that with aj his because if you listen to his episode of r2c2 where he talks with ruko and cc he was very grateful for his time in new york and he acknowledges he is very yeah. he's out in front i did not pitch to the contract yeah, yeah i did yeah. not earn that contract right um and he didn't he didn't throw anyone under the bus but i don't think he, that he vibed well with Posada. i don't think he vibed well with, yeah. the, with the dave island the pitching coach Right. I think that, and just to see him go to Pittsburgh and then Philadelphia and not be uh, Toronto Blue Jays, A.J. Burnett, but still workable, A.J. Burnett. Right, right, of course. New York, some people just aren't cut out for it. And that's, that's true. fine. That's it could, fine. 
No, it definitely could be that for sure. And it's happened so many times that it is a possibility, but at least like give him a chance. And uh, shockingly, Jairus Familia has actually been good this year. Yeah, so he really far. Has. Yeah. So yeah. let's go back to what we were doing a few years before. Throw Familia, make him your closer again. Have him close the games, move Diaz to like the seventh inning or whatever, and just see how that works. Maybe maybe you have a solution right there waiting for you. Right. Cause I, yeah, because I'm looking at Familia right now. And I'll obviously take this number with a grain of salt because he's only played in four games and this is a small sample size. Yeah. His ERA is 4.91. His FIP is in the low twos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so in 3.2 innings, he, three hits, uh, two earned runs. That's bad luck. Like, right. It, no, no, that's literally what it is. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. He, he has looked good. Like I'll be his, honest. His K's for yeah. nine are, aren't what they should be for a closer because yeah. they're down to 7.4 because, you know, he's had some shoulder problems. Right, right. Way, like, and, and some dead arm. Yeah. But I think that absolutely put Diaz in a setup role, give the Familia his old job back. It's like I said, they're three and seven right now. The worst case scenario, it doesn't work. No, literally. Like, what do you have to lose at this point? You have, our, like, I think the worst record in baseball. Like, just try. Just try it. Why not? Right. Um, last, last thing about the Mets. I don't know if you saw. Uh, uh, Jed Lowry is probably not going to play for the Mets ever again. He was transferred to the 45-day IL after being diagnosed with PCL laxity uh, in his knee. So yeah, this is PCL accident. I tried to read it, it uh, read what it is. It was the first time I'd heard about it. It's it's pretty uh, confusing. It's is that, um. It's like a, it's a it stands for posterior cruciate ligament injury. Um, I, it has to do with the stability of your knee. That's all that I you know I would have okay. to read about more about it. But yeah, we've got, we've got a lot left to cover in a short amount of time. So I'll just I'll just make a quick comment on this. You remember what yeah. I said when I said like this wasn't the Mets' worst deal ever, but it was pretty close. Yeah, it's now the Mets' worst Mets deal ever. <laughs> this is officially the Mets' version of Carl Pavano, albeit on a much smaller scale. But yeah, you never want to sign someone to a, a fairly lucrative contract and not have them play for you. No, that's crazy. Like, even though he did play a bit for the Mets last year, Nine he didn't games. make. He didn't even start a single one of them, though. Yeah. So, like, he literally was signed to a that like two year deal and started zero games for the team. Look, he's he's thirty six. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, his career is over. Oh yeah, I don't see him getting signed for sure. Neither do I. He maybe a minor league deal, but I think he'll just retire. Yeah. Anyway, okay. uh, let's, let's talk about and, now. In happy news, the Yankees are seven and one and at the top of their division. Life's good. Aaron, I, I, literally, I said this to myself during the Rangers game today. I was like, at least I have Aaron Judge in the Yankees, man. Like, yeah, and, and it's like I said when I was really angry and sent that voice message to you. The Rangers at least are – if God, they're going to get swept by the Hurricanes, aren't they? Uh, but, yeah, at, uh, at least if they lose, they're, they're in a really good draft position. And uh, my friend Alec, who uh, speaks hockey a lot better than I do, he tells yeah. me that this draft class is like – in terms of how deep the NFL draft was this year, apparently the NHL draft class is just as deep. Yeah, this is one of the deeper classes of, you know, last few years for sure. So, yeah, so anyway, in a good spot. Yeah, so anyway, back to the Yankees. Aaron Judge, he's like, hey, get me the bat and uh, get the hell out of my way. I love it. Um, can we just real quick, everyone, I want us to remember, I think it was two episodes ago when – I predicted that Aaron Judge would be she goes the again. 2020 AL MVP. And not just that. And when Josh Is this annoying yet? 
that Glaber Torres would be the 2020 AL MVP. I, I kind of think that I'm winning so far. What about you? Uh, I don't know. You think? <laughs> Aaron Judge, six home runs in five games, absolutely embracing his, his status as a pole hitter, looks completely locked in, playing great right field defense as usual. And Did- Torres, like we said later, he's swinging from his legs. He's not Did even you playing see, today. Um, yeah, I was literally about to say that. He's not even playing. You got Tyler Wade in the field instead. Do you think my he's man, hurt? Tyler Wade. Stop. Just, oh, my gosh. Tyler Wade actually, in everything that he's done so far this year, he's looked pretty good. I don't have, like, many negative oh, things yeah. to say about him. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's, he's Andy Fox, but better is what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, yeah, you were asking, do I think Torres is hurt? Yeah, do you think he's hurt? No. Yeah, okay. No, I don't think Torres is hurt at all. I think that – I think that – because the Yankees – with God, with, like – I can't believe I'm putting this energy out there. With the amount of times that the injury bug has bitten them, knock on wood, no more, uh, they've been pretty quick about saying someone's hurt. Like, I, I, remember, I remember when Stanton got hurt last year, like, for the first time. It was 10 o'clock in the morning. Hey, Stanton's on the IL. And yeah. Duhar's joining him. Right, I think right. Torres, it's because, it's like we said earlier, he's trying to do way too much. Yeah. He's swinging from his legs 100%. It's a overall meaningless game against the, against the Phillies who, look, I, this isn't meant to be a knock against the Phillies because they do have a very good team on paper. And yeah. I do think that this roster as it is now has potential. Yeah. They haven't played in, over, in a week. Oh, yeah. And, and their guy on the mound today, it's Jake Arrieta, who has gotten progressively worse since his Cy Young season. Yeah. The Yan- I wouldn't be shocked. And, God, I'm going to say this now. The Yankees are probably going to lose. The, yeah, it's coming. The, yeah. It. Yeah. So, if, if the Yankees lose, I'll, I'll take the blame. Knock on wood, they don't. Um, but the way – the thinking has to be, you know what? The Yankees have a clear advantage on paper tonight. It doesn't hurt to give Torres a day off, especially with the lack of day offs that, that are going to be this year and all the travel that's coming up later this week. Because later yeah. this week, folks, the Yankees – as I drop my phone – the Yankees have to go from – have to go – they have two here with Philly, and tomorrow's probably going to get canceled because of the tropical storm. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're recording this on, uh, on Monday the 3rd. Oh, there's a full moon today. Nice. Anyway, so <laughs> – People are so, going to be wild. So then they have to go to Philly and, that, and probably play a doubleheader there, and then they got to fly all the way down to Tampa and play another doubleheader. Yeah. So day offs this year are at a premium, and Torres, as one of the better hitters in the lineup – uh, it's a day of rest. Get, get him some time in the cage with Marcus Timms. Figure out what he's doing. Maybe get him on Gary Sanchez's uh, same path. Yeah. Uh, I'm a lot less worried about Glaber Torres than I am James Paxton. Oh, for sure. Uh, just one quick thing before we uh, get to Paxton. So I, don't know if you, like, I don't know if you saw this stat. I really want to read this because I think it's really cool. Uh, judge, per Elias Sports, Aaron Judge is the first player in MLB history with five go-ahead home runs in his team's first eight games of the season. That's cool. Now you what? He's you clutch. Have, you pose this question. I'm going to stick on Judge for a little bit longer. Is, is he, he is he currently the face of baseball? Yeah, I think I don't think he's the best player in baseball. I saw a lot of bad takes about that last night, but I think he's the face of baseball. I, I, Mike Trout is kind of a hard face to build around. And in know. terms of skill alone, it's Mike Trout. Yeah, in for term, sure. In terms of everything. everything else on top of skill, I think if it's not Aaron Judge, he's pretty close. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. He's, he's kind of got the whole – he's kind of like Jeter in that he's kind of got this unexplainable charisma. He's soft-spoken. Yeah. You hear yeah. him talk, and he's like, yeah, that's the answer. 
I mean, he, he's not like DJ LeMayhew, who if, if you listen to his episode of R2-2, oh, yeah. he like, DJ LeMayhew, great player. He doesn't talk. Dude. The, the episode itself, half an hour long. Which, yeah. like, despite my, my energy here on the podcast, like, people, people don't realize this about me. I'm very much an introvert. Mm. I kind of I have, like, this sort of, like, half introvert, half extrovert, where it's like, yeah, I'll go out and I'll, like, be social, and then I'll, and then I'll be, okay, I'm going home and not coming out for three days. Right. So, <laughs> so Judge, I think, if you're going to say he isn't the face of baseball, you better have a really convincing argument. He's, he's absolutely, like, there's no argument here. He's definitely one of the faces of baseball. If you don't want to say he's the face, he's one of He is a, he is a he's top five face of baseball right now. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, um, and... And you, you could say it's Cody Bellinger too, if only because he's a second-generation yeah. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and because he's and because he's got the MVP trophy, whereas Judge got robbed by Jose Altuve. Right, but it's fine because he's gonna get it this year, so it's all good in the hood. Yep, um, for sure. Okay, let's revert to James Paxton. Do uh, you remember? I'm sorry. Before you talk about what you think is wrong with Paxton, remember how I told you I don't want the Yankees to bring him back. This is exactly why. Like, yeah. Um, oh man, bro. Yeah. No. No. I said. Now I. I have to go. I'd have to go back and listen. I believe I said that if the Yankees are going to bring him back, it shouldn't be on a super long-term deal that we've right. grown accustomed to seeing pitchers from. Is if he pitches super well this year, I think. Now, now, for all we know, let's say that for the rest of his starts, James Paxton goes out. He's undefeated. He's like he was yeah. in the last two months last year. I think at that point. You offer him the you make the qualifying offer, yeah. and hope he takes it. And at that yeah. and at which point, if he declines it, then you negotiate with him in free agency and hope you can get him back. But you don't you don't do a full court press, right? As yeah. for what's wrong with him, um, here's what I've been able to glean between his media appearances and just uh, Twitter in general. Uh, his back surgery it's affecting his velocity. Last night he topped out, I think, at ninety-three. Might have hit ninety-four once, but I think I think the highest he hit on for stack ass was ninety-two point nine on his fastball. There you uh, go. That said, compared to his first start against the Nationals, Paxton did look better. He was commanding the strike zone better. He mm-hmm. was more aggressive. I agree. Doing everything that a pitcher should do. Uh, the problem is, and he said after the Nationals start, oh, look at the tape, my posture is off, I was kind of hunching. And then yesterday he says, This concerns me. I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I was gonna mention that. Now we are you are you one of the people who are calling for an IL stint for him? A lot of people want him sent to the IL. Um, IL stints are tricky because if he's not actually injured, he shouldn't go. Because it's it's like Chin Meng Wah. His release point was off, oh, yeah. and then they said, "Oh, your leg muscles are weak." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you look at Paxton, we have a new training staff now. We have a brand new pitching cat, uh, pitching coach, and Matt Blake. Or by we, I mean the Yankees. I shouldn't say we. Yeah. Um, but um. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that with Paxton, you need to, at a minimum, get him in touch with CeCe as someone who mm-hmm. lost velocity almost overnight. You need to – Yeah. You know, he throws a curveball. He throws the cutter. He throws a changeup. Maybe the adjustment is as simple as learning a two-seamer. Because mm-hmm. this way, even though the velocity is down, you're at least creating a fastball with enough of a last-minute movement or sink so that you're going to either induce some soft contact mm-hmm. or get the ball on the ground. Yeah. Which, for a pitcher like Paxton, who, as a high-velocity guy, he's prone to home runs. That's just what happens. Yeah. So now you're throwing a 93-mile-per-hour four-seamer. with, And you saw the replay same as I did last night, Lee. There was no spin on the fastball. Oh, yeah, yeah, for no sure. no life on it. 
Yeah. It's no. like it was a 93 mile per hour meatball coming into the top of the zone. Mm -hmm. And I think that with Paxton, at a minimum, look, try uh, mechanical adjustments. Maybe start throwing a two seamer. I think that has to be at least explored. Yeah. And if not, then you know what? Mike King and Clark Schmidt are, are ready to go. Oh, yeah. Like, I've, I even meant to message some people about it yesterday. I was like, literally, just like move on from Paxton or at least like, you know, don't make him so high in the rotation and let's bring up Clark Schmidt because yes. I think he's ready to go as well. Um, speaking though, like of uh, starting pitchers, et cetera, et cetera. I was having this conversation yesterday. I'd like to have it with you on air. Um, the Yankees are currently the best team in baseball. They're doing everything right from top to bottom. However, this rotation, can this get them through October? Can they win with this rotation? Um, right now, I'm going to say yes, and here's why. Um, looking at Hap in Baltimore and Paxton and Tanaka. Now, now Tanaka, even though he, he didn't last three innings, I'm not worried about him. He was on a pitch count. Oh, he's absolutely still, not. Also, yeah. And plus, we can't forget that Tanaka is a different animal in October. So yes. lots of factors. Yeah. With Tana Tanaka yeah. is going to be just fine. Yeah, always. One thing yeah. I've noticed, and you have too, because you've stepped outside, same as I have. The weather for the past week, or last week especially, it was ungodly hot outside again. Yeah. Especially in Baltimore. I yeah, looked yeah. Up, I looked up one night in Baltimore. I think humidity was at 80-something percent. And yeah. You could, and you could tell. not Michael just K Yankees, mentioned that. Yeah, you could tell not just with the Yankees pitchers, but Baltimore too. Nobody could get a good grip on the ball. Mm -hmm. And with someone like Hap, now a lot of people don't know this about Jay Hap. The reason he succeeded so well um, into his late 30s is because he knows how to spin a fastball. Yeah. He knows that he relies on something called perceived velocity, which means that even though the fastball's traveling at, let's say, 91, 92 miles per hour, it looks like it's coming in at 90. It looks, yes. Uh, now, as he's gotten older, he, um, <clears throat> excuse me, his, his velocity has dropped. That's right. just going to happen when, you get, when a pitcher gets older. And so we saw it last year, uh, along with MLB clearly messing with the baseball, he switched to throwing more two-seamers. He was throwing mm -hmm. more change-ups. And over the last month of the season, it, it took him too long to get there, but he was looking better. He was still yeah. holding his breath whenever he pitched, but he was looking better. Yeah. I think that as the season wears on and as it gets cooler, you'll see the Yankees pitchers gradually improve. Um, it's, already, it's already less hot at night in the city than it was uh, compared to last week. Yeah. I think that between if you, can if you can field a top three of Garrett Cole, Masahiro Tanaka, and Jordan Montgomery, who looked like a beast against the Red Sox on Friday, mm -hmm. I think that the Yankees are going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, okay, so yeah, I uh I personally and I'm a bit of a pessimist cuz also I want my I always want my teams to be the best that they could be. Sure, yeah, yeah, I, I do I, not I do not think that this Yankee that the Yankees can win with this current rotation. I really don't. Obviously Cole's awesome. Tanaka playoff Tanaka is unreal. Don't like James Paxson. Never been a huge fan. Um I'm and I'm not I'm not confident that he's going to be able to fix his problem, although I am hopeful. You know my feelings about Jay Happ, I, I, yeah. especially now. And, like, he's not getting any younger. I don't think he can get the job done. Jordan Montgomery has looked good. And I think, um, I think by the end of the season, going off of what you were just saying, that he can move up in the rotation. 
Um, and I, not I think, just that, Lean. Like, with, with how good Mike King has looked in two relief appearances of yeah. Paxton, I'm not saying he's ready for a full-on rotation spot, I, but I think I can definitely envision a scenario where, um, for the fourth guy, if Happen Paxton proved a struggle, uh, doing almost like a, using either guy as an opener and then handing the ball off to King. For sure. We, I was actually, basically what you just said, I was talking about with some people yesterday. I'm definitely not comfortable with King just yet being like inserted into the rotation. Right. But like, if you do that type of thing, like what you just said, either Happer Paxton as an opener, for example, then King comes in and gives you some uh, innings, whatever. I think that would, I think I would be okay with that too. Cause he has looked good. And I think he's uh, exhibited some. Yeah. Promise. What, what he, what he lacks in a pure, uh, what I'm going to call a put-away pitch. Mm. He makes up for in – he's a master of soft contact. He's got a mm -hmm. great two-seamer, great change-up. Yeah. I love watching he, – he knows how to pitch. Yes, yeah. Like, yeah. He, like he's not, he's not going to overwhelm hitters or put them away. He knows how to pitch. Yeah, for sure. And for, some, and for a, a young prospect, for him to be at that place already with minimal major league experience, great sign. Right. Phenomenal yeah. sign. Ooh, um, breaking news. Breaking Tomorrow, news. Tomorrow's Yankees-Phillies game has been postponed. Uh, yeah, I, I knew that was coming. Um, the game has been rescheduled as the first game, 4.05 p.m., of a straight doubleheader at Citizens Bank Park on Wednesday, August 5th. The Yankees will be the home team for the first game of Wednesday's doubleheader, and the Phillies will be the home team for the second game. The second Great. game will start approximately 35 minutes after the conclusion of the first game. Cool. Yeah, I, I anticipated that would happen. I just, I just hope right. that. Yeah. You know what? I wonder if that means after, um, after tonight's game, if they're all going to take, uh, you know, like a midnight bus down to Philly. That's a good question. Just, I'm sure just, we'll find out during just, the... Um, just because I can only imagine okay. tomorrow. I don't know what time the rain's supposed to hit tomorrow, but I can only imagine it's going to make travel so much tougher. I was actually just looking at the weather. It says that the rain is actually supposed to start like in the middle of the night at around midnight. So, hmm. yeah. Great. And it's which, like, it's going to be nonstop. I'll sit on my apartment's balcony and listen to it. That's going to be great. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that sounds like fun. Yeah, anyway, um, uh, Liam, do we have to talk about this next subject right now? Oh, absolutely, just real quick, yeah, no, I uh, mean, yeah, I'm, what are you going to do? I wrote um, an article about this, I'm not happy about it, I'm talking about this subject under protest, I'm here against my will. <laughs> Liam, this is just to make you mad, no. I'm not mad, I'm devastated about no, this. No, 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 I'll be honest with you, even though I'm making fun of you, I am like, this is very concerning. Uh, guys, we're talking about Tommy Canely, <laughs> um, who the Yankees have lost uh, for the, the rest of the Yeah, yeah. This is, and uh, look, I, forget baseball circumstances and how this affects the ballpen lean, because Nick Nelson looked great. Zach Britton can easily be a seventh or eighth inning guy. Same with Chad Green. Yeah. I do not like this because Tommy Canely is the heart and soul of the Yankees. <laughs> He's – He's such a wild man. He's so much fun in the locker room. He's and on top of that, Tommy John surgery. It's August. He's not going to pitch next year, right? If, if he pitches next year, he'll come back for the playoffs. Oh yeah, he's it's going to be a minute. And he's he's already thirty. And yeah. if he doesn't pitch at all next year, this is costing him two years of his career, plus Corona. Yeah, he's going to have to hit the free agent market as a 32-year-old arm yeah. who hasn't pitched in almost two years. I, 
What do you think? Um, so he's eligible for arbitration next year. Yeah. What do you think uh, the Yankees do with that? I'm very glad you asked that. I actually covered this in uh, my article that went up on ESNY today. Oh, there um, we go. The Yankees need to do the right thing and extend Tommy Canley right now. And there's precedent for this. How may, what kind of extension would you like to see? I'm glad you asked. So, <laughs> so in, a lot of Yankees fans will recall that after the – in around the same time, actually, this is actually almost four, almost four years to the day of the 2016 season, Nathan Avaldi went down with an elbow tear. The Yankees mm-hmm. marked him out for the season, and it was pretty clear that given how streaky he was that year, he wasn't going to come back. Right. What happened was the Tampa Bay Rays gave him a one-year contract with an option. So that meant, hey, we're going to bring you aboard. We know you're not going to pitch for a year, but we want you to rehab with us. Uh-huh. And this way, if your rehab goes smoothly, we can pick up your option for next year, and then you can yeah. contribute to the team. Now, sure enough, Avaldi debuted for the Rays like some point in 2018, pitched really well, and parlayed that into a trade to the Red Sox, yeah. where he won a World Series ring and then earned a long-term contract. Mm-hmm. How he's performed under that contract, that's another conversation entirely. Of course, yeah. <laughs> but Tommy Canely is a middle reliever setup guy with closing capability. Yeah, he has a blazing fastball, and un- a slider that, when he uses it, is uh, is pretty passable, and a phenomenal changeup that gives lefties fits. I think that what the Yankees have to do, they need to do what the Rays did to Nathan Navaldi, just say, "Hey, in good faith, we're going to buy out your arbitration here, and then give you a contract for for 2022 as well." Okay. Because this way, he gets, to, he gets to focus on his rehab, doesn't have to worry about making it back next year, right. and, then he, and then he has a job for when he's healthy. Yeah. And, he's made, and prior to the prorated salaries this year, he was set to make about $2.6 I think you can give him a two-year contract for about that amount. Give yeah. him a two-year contract for that, for that amount, backload it accordingly, and then see how he does after surgery. Because he's, everyone loves him. There's no – he's Nick Swisher. That's who he is. To, for sure. Um, to add to what you just said about money, too, like, the they would definitely get it for that price, I think, because even though he's really, really good, he'll be coming off of Tommy John surgery, which is scary. So it's unlikely that he would get, like, a giant deal elsewhere. So Now, now if you were a starter, I'd say, bite the bullet and let him walk. Yeah. But – the fact is there's a precedent for this kind of extension where a guy is hurt, misses a year, and then comes yeah. back. Yeah. It's like, Avaldi, yeah, one-year, $2 million deal from the Rays in free agency for 2017. Mm-hmm. They up his option for 2018 because his recovery is going well. I, say, I said this in my piece for Canley, which I'm going to read from right now. The Yankees should do the exact same thing with Canley except for two things. They should make the second year of the contract guaranteed and backloaded accordingly. This is an absolutely acceptable solution. Avaldi owned a reputation for being streaky and well when the Rays gave him his deal, whereas Canley is a well-established reliever. The worst-case scenario is the Yankees give Canley this extension and he struggles in 2022. That's fine, since the team could just adjust his role until he's himself again or trade what would ideally be a movable deal. Yeah. I, I see no reason why they shouldn't bring him back. Yeah, in no, fact, I... In fact, I insist they bring him back. Yeah, yeah, I know. I completely agree with you. I think um, – I really do think that they should bring him back. He's a crucial part of this bullpen and the team as a whole, like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, okay, let's move on to Mike Talkman. The Sockman. The Sockman. So, Mike Talkman is, like, one of the reasons we won What's yesterday. Happening? 
oh, going on. I love it. he's um you guys can't see but Josh uh, I have like I have, oh wait, yeah like sock puppet. It, it's not a sock puppet, it's a headband. It's a it's a because you can see as oh I my god, that's not a sock. No, it's yeah, see it's <laughs> like it's one of these things where I kind of want to go like full 90s uh oh, there basketball you go. player where my yeah, hair's too it. long. Yeah. I'll, I'll tweet a picture of myself in this headband for the Yeah, you must. Player. I was going to tell you to my do My hair's that. not, yeah, my hair's like not that long yet, but I'm, I'm definitely fucking it tonight for sure. There you go. Um, yeah, so uh, Mike Talkman is just like not starting for the Yankees. And I don't know. I think that's a problem. What about you? Um, that's a really good question because he, He's played, good. he played Saturday, had three hits. Mm-hmm. came in last night to replace Miguel Andujar. Um, you know what? I have I have an answer for you, Aline. You're not going to like it. Yeah, I, think, I know what you're going to say. I think, that it. It, I think that if Brett Gardner continues to struggle with making contact with the ball, and this is after he hit an absolute monster shot of a home run the other night, I think that if Brett Gardner keeps being streaky, you have to, you have to give Talkman the minutes or the, the starts. Yeah, like, I don't – um... He's just as good a fielder as Gardner, if not better. He's seeing the ball great. I mean, I remember the reason that the reason Cashman gave for trading for Talkman last year. I think his exact words were, we were told the offense might be voidish. Right, right. And <clears throat> now that said, this, this isn't to say put him in left field and he's the guy. I think that you need to see – I think that – okay, I take it back. If Gardner keeps struggling, put Talkman out there. And then next year, make Talkman the left fielder, but also monitor Esteban Florial. Yeah. And Hicks, um, and Hicks too. I was going to say that, too. Like, I don't – and you're, you're probably going to call me biased, but, like, so I'm, I'm trying to be as neutral on this as possible. Like, yes, Brett Gardner is my favorite player, but right now it's not even a question that Mike Talkman is the better option. Um, but also, Aaron Hicks – doesn't really look good either. I think Mike Talkman is like without a doubt right now better than Aaron Hicks as well. So it would be nice to like at least, you know, maybe switch for one of the two every now and then. Like bench Hicks, start Talkman. Bench Gardner, start Talkman. Because yeah, Hicks and, doesn't and, really have it right now. Either, and, if, so. and if there's a lefty on the mound, absolutely give Andujar some at bats. Oh, yeah, um, no, Andujar is a different story. And yeah. you know how much I love Aaron Hicks. Um, yeah. I will. I will say this about Hicks as well. He, like Torres, is swinging entirely from his leg. Yeah, yeah. He's getting close. He made some good contact the other day. But yeah. the problem with Hicks is that he swings from his legs a lot. It's not just a bad habit with him. He, like – or it, it is a bad it habit It is a bad him, habit, yeah. It's a regular bad habit. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now, that said, I was all in favor of extending him. And the reason I like the extension so much is that, okay, $10 million a year, you can move that in a heartbeat. yeah. Uh, and he's a switch hitter, so that's automatically going to up his value. Right. But I think that with Hicks, uh, look, I have to trust that Hicks is feeling good. He wouldn't be in the lineup if his elbow mm-hmm. was fine. I think he's. I think he's healthy too. Yeah. yeah. But he's he's trying to do too much. He's trying yeah. to. He wants to show off that Ken Griffey Jr. swing, and he should just focus on getting on base. Absolutely. We don't yeah. Need run. Get a single. Get a double. Yeah. Yeah. Just he needs. Yeah. He needs to him. calm down for sure. Um, yeah. Now, now he's probably nervous too because he and his partner they just welcomed their second son. Mm, so maybe yeah. he's maybe his mind is weighing on what's happening at home because I think they're back in Arizona already. Um, yeah, maybe. But yeah. the fact of the matter is, Mike Talkman, with how well he's been playing, absolutely give him some more at bats. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of guys that are doing well, 
I think that Luke Voigt and Gio Urshela are proving to be the real deal. I got I a funny know. story about G- about Gio Urshela, actually. Yeah, what is it? So my old podcast co-host, for those of you who remember me from the You May Be Right podcast, Paulie D, he, um, he is of the opinion that Gio Urshela is cheating. He's like, Urshela's cheating, can't wait till he gets caught, 235 career hitter, da-da-da. And, oh, I'm going, and I'm going, Paul, he changed his swing. Stop. Because we all Did, know this. Why do people think that, like, players who struggled earlier on in their careers and then find success are cheating? Like, why is that a thing? I mean, in the case, in the case of my friend right here, he, he fully admits he's a salty Red Sox fan. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, so. He's just mad. So uh, I then got him to admit, I'm, I said, dude, come on, you're just a salty Red Sox fan, stop. And, I'm, and I said, look, like, if I, for, okay, first I said as a joke, hey, you caught us. The Yankees found out how to do the Jurassic Park science in real life and have injected D, uh, Gio Urshela with the <laughs> DNA of an Allosaurus. And I said, we facilitated it with that of the common salamander. And he goes, oh, well, like, the, the turnaround's too big. Why is he cheating? I go, dude, he hasn't been popped yet. Oh, well, maybe he's buying pee. And oh. I'm like, and I go, dude, come on. And then he finally <laughs> says, look, he might not be cheating, but I will never not think Urshela is cheating. So, and at which point I sent him the salt emoji and he goes, okay, yeah, I, I admit I'm salty. Yeah, okay, good. At least, at least he admitted it. Yeah, you, know, you know who else is the real deal I want to talk about? Who? My man, Nick Nelson. Oh, he looks good. I, I he looks good. when he came in, I'm like, I'm watching him go. Okay, it's it's a kind of a it's kind of a blowout of a game. The bullpen needs some needs some rest. Like, what what can he do? Yeah. I'm telling you, he he shocked me. Uh, the, there was life on the fastball. The yeah. pitches were filthy. He's nicking the corners. Mm-hmm. I got really excited, uh, and then I, and that, I got excited first because oh, he was a starter in the minors. I looked at his minor league numbers lean. This guy is absolutely going to be a, a Yankees bullpen staple for years. High K for nine, some trouble with walks, blazing velocity, fireballing arm out of Florida. I Maybe. cannot wait to see more of him. Yankees fans shouldn't have a problem with that because he, he's looked good. He really has looked yeah. good. Um, he's looked really, really good. Just with, the kind, just with the kind of stuff that he's throwing, he kind of reminded me of 2009 with the way uh, when uh, Phil Hughes came out of the pen. To the oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to, I'm not saying that's absolutely what his role is going to be, but just based on the stuff I saw, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked. Because we were talking about problems like with, with um, uh, Happ and Paxton. Nelson could absolutely serve as an opener. Mm-hmm. Have him and, and King for three innings apiece. I'd love that. Totally, yeah. Yeah. That would, that would work well, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. It's going to be exciting watching the rest of the year. Oh, right. and uh, Aroldis Chapman is coming back soon. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, I saw on his Instagram today, he's heading to the training uh, facility down in Moosick, Pennsylvania. I think, okay. I think that's just to get him some reps, see what he's doing, how he's doing on a mound. Cool. Um, and I think they're doing that with the anticipation that he will rejoin them in Philly. Okay. That's um, good for the Yankees. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah, uh, I saw him traveling. He's wearing a mask. It looks like he, he chartered a bus or was driving himself. Okay. Um, yeah. But That's dope. He's, he's looking really good. That's good. Yeah. Um, uh, hold on. Hold on. Before we move on, oh. uh, in a baseball group chat that I'm just in, so oh. the siren emojis, which usually means there's some breaking news coming. In the, mean, in the meantime, though, uh, yeah, you beat me in fantasy this week. Yeah, guys. So, um, yeah, oh, he had a wager. Oh, oh, wait, hold on. He was just saying it was about to postpone. 
Yeah, I was gonna say it's gonna be about yeah. postponement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. So uh, Josh and I face each other in week blah, one of the fantasy blah, league, blah. and um, <laughs> and I beat him four hundred twenty-five <laughs> to three hundred thirty-eight. Four twenty-five to three thirty-eight. I just want to point it out. I had a lot of Phillies on my team. And none of them played. He loves I making lost, excuses. Guys, Joey guys, Vado. literally. I lost Joey Votto. I lost bro. Aaron Cosmer. Pretty much playing with half a roster. Lean's victory is tainted. Just so Listen, everybody. guys, listen, listen. I haven't had Keston Hiura, second baseman of the Milwaukee. Move on. He's my starting second baseman. That I haven't had him for, for four days, yeah? I uh, I didn't have uh, Eugenio Suarez of the Cincinnati Reds for several days as well. Um... I also haven't had freaking Mike Trout, bro, because his uh, his wife was giving birth. Congratulations to the Trouts. Too. Oh yeah, Trout. Yeah, Trout. Uh, yeah, Beckham Trout. Someone's a, someone's a yeah. soccer fan. Yeah, and um, I haven't had Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, or Araldis Chapman. So, and I still destroyed Josh. So, yeah, no excuses. Okay, I'm. I'm Clearly far superior. I actually, I think I have the best team in the league. I read you guys my team a few okay, days ago. Okay, it's one week. Uh, you know, it's yeah. one week. It's one week. I'm going to, oh, well, I'm playing the one idiot who is drafting with us. Uh, oh, you're going to destroy him. I better, or else he'll never let me live it down. Yeah, true. Yeah, whatever you, whatever. you beat me, you're rubbing my nose, and I'm sending him more snakes. Mm. No, absolutely not. I'm blocking you. Oh, uh, what, what about the, what, what, the snake coming out of the egg where it's just kind of going like... Oh, that's not, that's not funny. That's not funny. <laughs> okay, okay. I think this is a perfect time to end the show before you keep doing what you're doing. Was. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, that was all for Yankees Myth Express today. A great show per usual. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh B-E-S-N-Y. Uh, Lean, where can they find you? Twitter at lean, L-E-E-N underscore Amin, A-M-I-N. Yep. Anyway, uh, so this is a part of Elite Sports Radio, part of Elite Sports NY, the voice, the pulse of New York City sports. Uh, Lean, you got anything else to add? That's it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Staying clear of the closing doors.